Everyone relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello. Hello, Charlie. That's a great timing to take a drink just before you have to introduce yourself. Uh, you know what? I, look, it was a good start. I, I, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd misinterpreted, despite the fact that we'd be counted in with three, two, one, and I know how long the start of the show goes for. I still thought, you know what? I can have a drink before this, but I, I couldn't, it turned out. Not a whole one. I could have it. I just couldn't swallow it. Yeah, you could just blame it on the delay. You're in LA uh, right now. I'm in Australia. This is working out well. I'm liking Cyber Tofop. Uh, doing it over over the, over the Skype, over the technology, over the internet. Yeah. I mean, because you remember at the start, we were a bit kind of like, um, we're artists, man. We have to be in the same room. The chemistry has to be there. We're not sure we could do it. And now it's like, oh, fuck. Let's just let's do it via Skype. Even if we're in the same city, let's do it via Skype. Yeah, it couldn't be bothered driving over to my place. <laughs> yeah. You're going to hit traffic at some stage. You're not going to be able to drink. You know what? We'll just, yeah. uh, you know what? We're staying in the same hotel, but that lift takes ages. You, you know <laughs> what? You get on the internet and you're at least allowed the same Wi Fi. That'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Fact, I actually can't be bothered. I can't be bothered leaving my room. I know no. you're in the kitchen. How about <laughs> I just Skype you from my phone in the bedroom? We can just chat that way. We should do one of those. When we go back to Australia, we should do one where we're in the same house, but we're in different rooms and we're still Skyping. <laughs> so how are you uh, feeling after post-comedy festival? You must be ruined. Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I uh, flew out the night. Uh, so uh, I finished in Melbourne on the Sunday night. And that was eight weeks of touring, basically. And every night for eight weeks. And then I flew to LA the next day and I had a gig in LA on the Monday night. And I've got to tell you, I love jet lag gigs. I think they're my favorite gigs. Every single gig, I always try to book a gig now on the night I get into somewhere because if you like smoke a joint, you have like a beer or whatever or whatever it is. And then you're a bit jet lagged. It feels like you're on magic mushrooms. Like you... <laughs> You never feel more in tune with an audience. You never, I, I just had the best time. I was like, yeah, you guys get my jam. <laughs> like I was like, yeah. if I, if I could afford it, my tour would be all places where I could get jet lagged. I'd find the minimum distance I could get jet lagged in. And then it, it'd be yeah. like w one night I'm in Sydney. And then the next night I'm in Hong Kong. It'd still be cheaper than most drugs in Australia, paying for a full airfare to the United States and back just to get that high. Uh, you know, have you heard about Ando? He's addicted to lag. He can't get off him, man. He's just constantly flying. <laughs> but you must be so used to it now. Like, I mean, we've both done those kind of fly, uh, fly-by-night trips where you just pop in to another country for a weekend or something. But I don't do it as often as you. Like, you, you, you do it regularly in a year, won't you, where you'll just go to a place for literally a few days and then fly out again. Yeah, uh, yeah, I will. I pro I did, probably last year I did about six round trips, so probably about 12 times I flew, you know, over 10 hours just to go to somewhere. So some of those ones were, you know, just for a week or less than a week, sometimes a couple of days. But yeah, I don't mind mm. it. Too, I don't mind it too much. I kind of always feel jet lagged. I think that's the secret. The secret to not feeling terrible when you do something like that is to always feel terrible. Like, mm. I mean, I, mm. I just, I, I, you don't, I don't ever feel like I get a hangover because I'm always kind of hungover. Whereas someone who like, you know, is being healthy all the time, you have one big night out of the drink and you're destroyed for a couple of days because you, you, you're looking, you're, you're looking at that guy. I actually right. went out last weekend and, you know, I've been healthy for the past three months and I don't think I actually had an excessively big night, but I was hungover for two days. Like right. the next day I was so hungover, you know, that kind of hangover where it's like, Lying down made me feel sick, but sitting up made me feel sick. So I had to find, I think it was around about 48 degrees. I found that if I sort of lay at that kind of angle propped up by pillows, I didn't feel nauseous. But even the following Monday when I went to work, like I, I went into the makeup room and the girls were like, wow, you look green. I'm like, I know. Two days ago I drank and I'm, and I'm so sick now. My body's just not used to it anymore. Yeah, see, well, I'm kind of like the opposite of that, which is like, I never get that. I never get hung over for three days because I'm 75% of that every day. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the cure for a hangover? Stay drunk. Yeah. I mean, I always think if you wake up and you don't know if you're hungover or still drunk, that's your sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
just enough to get you up and to get you to a coffee and a shower. And then, you know, that can, the other drugs, the legal drugs, the society legal drugs, like coffee can yeah. get us across the line after that. Yeah. I always feel, though, that like hangovers, they, they should have been something that you grow out of, not in the sense that you don't drink. I still want to drink. But there should be, your body should sort of acclimatize and, and toughen you up. Like, it, I'm always shocked when I get a hangover to realize I can still get hangovers. I always associate it with my 20s. But when I get hangovers now, it's like, oh, come on, man. I put in a lot of training to process this shit. Like, surely it shouldn't still affect me like that. I must admit, Thursday night after my show, we went across the road to El Compadre, you know, that Mexican restaurant. And it's, uh, right. well, it's, it's next to Meltdown. It's this old, famous, like, LA like it's great still they still have the three guys sort of playing the Mexican music when you go in and it's all really old school and there's so many free chips like old Charlie like <laughs> I don't know how they make a profit it must be a front for something else it's always packed because they give away essentially what it costs you $20 in an Australian restaurant of you know chips and you know uh, salsa every night so you go in there and they make these flaming margarita things and they are delicious but they are lethal and uh, people were in there buying them for me after my show, which was very nice of the people yeah, to do right. that. But there was a point. So all day Friday, I was a complete write off. Like I was just like, I had to lay on the couch and watch Netflix and I couldn't have loved it more. I loved the hangover more than I enjoyed the. I got more value out of being able to just lay on the couch and feel sorry for myself and eat shitty food and watch Netflix. I was like, this is a joy. Oh my God. Being, ha yeah. hung, being hung over is the best. Yeah, my hangover wasn't like that. I wanted that. My hangover was I, I put on Netflix and then it was this thing of, oh, oh, I can't watch anything that's too complicated. I need something that's just going to be easy. Then I'm like, oh, I'll put the football on. That's easy. Don't have to worry about that. Don't have to invest. But then the football came on and I started to feel motion sickness from the way the ball was oh, moving around and stuff. It's no. like, this is terrible. Uh, I can't actually find any way to distract myself. I could, the only thing I could do, like I said, was sit at exactly 48 degrees and just concentrate on not vomiting. That was the only way it worked. I, I mentioned to you the other day when we were doing our footy podcast that the, they've built a shake shack down the road from me mm. since I was last here and they have this like mushroom burger uh, that has this like stuff inside it that I don't know what it is, but it's it's just delicious. I don't even know how to describe it. Like che like cheese or cheesy stuff? Like what is it? Is it creamy? Is it spicy? Is it... Uh, it is... <laughs> it, you know what? This is the best thing about it. I don't know how to answer your question and I've had it twice now. Like and the that's, second, that, it's not. It's not like I'm asking you like a spiritual question. Like, Will, what is God? <laughs> like, I don't know, but God is inside this mushroom burger. Well, that's actually the best way to describe it. It <laughs> it explodes. It's an unexpected explosion. <laughs> it's, it's God explodes in your mouth. Essentially, yeah. is what we're saying. Yes, it's. I don't know. It's a mix between a cheese sauce and a special sauce. <laughs> It's, a, it's, it's a, I mean, it literally is a special cheesy sauce, I guess. But what's the, but what's the, what's the flavor? Is it like salty? Is it sweet? I mean, it's, it's salt. And it's like you, salty. you managed to buy a burger that has a philosophical concept in its core. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like in its hot, bursty, cheesy core or special saucy core. I'm not sure. It's a mystery. It's like um, Dr. Pepper. I mean, it doesn't taste like Dr. Pepper, but you know how Dr. Pepper is like a hundred different flavors or whatever. Mm. I think that's what this is. This is the Dr. P uh, pepper of fillings because it just is like a mm. hundred different flavors that all have. It's like a universe starting. It's like the Big Bang, but in a fast food affordable way. Is it like the red powder you get on barbecue shapes? I mean, it's not like that, but I understand it, 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 it is to barbecue the shapes. Analogy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it to this burger what that powder is to barbecue shapes? Yes, Charlie. Yes, it well, is. Well, what I was going to, I mean, where my question was leading was the best thing at the end of barbecue shapes is getting that little pocket of powder at the end and you dip your finger in and it's like the concentrated goodness. Would you get that burger just to scoop out its philosophical heart and eat that? Well, that's the interesting thing. Would you just, if they just sold the barbecue shapes stuff, Without, without the actual barbecue shapes, just the barbecue, no shapes, cutting out the middleman, mm. would you just buy that and snack on that? Would you buy a packet of that? I think I might. I think if, if they 
sold like uh, just that powder, like so you could buy a packet of that powder. Yeah. And then maybe like four plain biscuits. So you can dip the plain biscuits into the powder and apportion the red powder uh, right. uh, uh, to whatever uh, strength you want. I think I could yeah. be into that. I mean, that's what I normally do with the barbecue shapes anyway, is I'll time my eating of the biscuits. So I'll have a few biscuits left that I can use to scoop out that bottom powder. So uh, you could serve it like one of those snack packs they do with cheese or uh, one of those yogurts mm. that comes with like muesli or whatever. And then you yeah, can yeah. kind of like flip it over. Oh yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> have you been following that um, there's been outrage because Arnott's have changed the recipe for their barbecue and pizza shapes and people uh, are not happy? I was going to bring this up. Now, firstly, why, why would they change those, do you think? They are much beloved I flavors. I, I, I just don't understand why a company would do that. Well, from reading, from reading the articles, the allegation is that they're, they're using cheaper ingredients as a cost-saving measure. But yeah, from well. Arnott's point of view, they're like, we're just trying to improve on perfection. We, were, you know, we, were, we, were, we flew too close to the sun with our wings of wax. They didn't say that, but I assume that that's what they meant. <laughs> that that would have been great, wouldn't it? If, if, they, if they just... Oh, hang on. Is this about barbecue shapes still? Why is he talking about Icarus? This is weird. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that, would, that, that was the allegation was that they, uh, they're cutting some corners. They're using cheaper ingredients. I mean, we all know that that red powdery stuff you get at the bottom is made from the finest of fine ingredients. <laughs> Yeah, you, I don't even like the idea that there is something that's cheaper ingredients than that. I mean, I think it's pretty much just red salt and chili flakes, right? I'm assuming that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of people assume what it is. I guess if we read what it was, we'd be terrified. But why would you change it? It's so popular and so iconic. I just don't understand why you would... Have they kept the original ones and you can get these new ones as well? Or have they replaced the original ones? I think it's replaced. I haven't eaten barbecue shapes in a while but i assume it's a replacement it, i mean you work for gruen you've seen this happen a thousand times with like uh, some food brand will bring out a controversial flavor it's just publicity right even if it's bad publicity i mean yes i mean yeah absolutely and a lot of that product extension stuff is actually just getting people uh, interested in the original product. It just reminds people that they like the original thing again so yes there is some sort of value in that like it might be that mm. sort of thing of reigniting in their base how much VB did it. VB, um, uh, the beer, uh, dropped the alcohol in, in VB and people went off it and they admitted their mistake and they went back to the original recipe and VB sales went up. You know, it can happen like that. But this is a crazy one. Like it's, you know, the, mm. the one, you know the one I'm still mad about? The Milo bar. Did you ever have a Milo bar back in the day? Yeah, so it's just like, Dried Milo with chocolate on top, right? Ah, oh, yeah, it was the best. I loved the Milo bar. <laughs> the like, simplest confectionery made by man, and you're like, oh, it's the best. I did. I loved it. Every time I went to get chocolates at the shop, whatever like assortment I got, and I would change it up, but it would always include a Milo bar. I loved the Milo bar. And then they went and changed the Milo bar. And the new one's fine, but it's, yeah. not, it's not as good as the old one. What's your, back- what's your go to? What's your go-to chocolate bar? You've got well, one. Well, go-to. I, I would say I would have said up until they changed the the Milo bar, it would have been the the, the original Milo bar. It was just a good mix. Mm. Uh, but now, what what is it now? Gee, I don't know. I've, I, you know what I have done? I've turned into a dark chocolate person. And oh no, you wanker! I know. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> I'm I'm as horrified as you are. I don't think it's entirely my fault. I think it's because of the quality mm. of the chocolate. I reckon Cadbury chocolate in Australia because I used to love Cadbury chocolate. I used to love a box of favourites. Then you can those mini mm. favourites, and you could yeah. just like mix it up. It's a good, you know. I like the Turkish yeah. t- t- Turkish delight. I, I like them all. I'm into chocolate, but I reckon the quality of those is not as good as it used to be. And so I think so I moved on I, to dark chocolate. I'm always a Kit Kat guy, like. Kit Kats marry my favorite things, which is like biscuits and chocolate. Even though it's wafer, like it still counts. And what I like about a Kit Kat is the way you can sort of like break up the eating of it. Like you can trim the chocolate around the edges, then get to the biscuity part, or you can eat it all at once. You can dip it into tea and just strip all the chocolate off and then just have the wafer biscuit. It's very adaptable. But they fucked up because they started getting too fancy. Now you can get like mint Kit Kats, coffee Kit Kats, cookies and cream Kit Kats. And it's like... Cookies and cream Kit Kats, it's already a biscuit. 
Why are you bringing more biscuit into the equation? It's just too much biscuit. Yeah, that's a very good point. I'd never really thought of it like that. But that this is mm. don't bring don't bring a biscuit to a biscuit party. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing I like about the states is with their confectionery. Like Australia, I think is still fairly conservative in the range of confectionery it offers. But if you go down like a confectionery aisle in an American supermarket, like the variations on the theme. Like if you want something that's cookie dough flavored, we can give you 70 versions of that. If you want peanut butter and cookie dough, if you want mint and cookie dough, if you want all those kind of things. Australia is still fairly conservative in its options. Yeah, Americans must walk around Australian supermarkets and look at like 90 products and go, you know, you can put peanut butter in all of these things, right? <laughs> I did see actually, the, the, I was at the Coles a couple of days ago and... There seems to be condiments are sneaking up on us. Like they're trying to find out more. How can they sell us more condiments? So now you can get like peanut butter cinnamon swirl spread, hazelnut chocolate cinnamon peanut butter spread, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, that's smart. Because condiments are the stoner's friend. Like when it's late, you're hungry. The only thing you can be bothered is making toast. And then you can just go get like, you know, a, a jar of cinnamon chocolate peanut butter spread. Perfect. Perfect. You've just summed up every stoner's dream. I mean, the amount of stoner influence on modern culinary. Like, you, you walk... <laughs> do you know what I mean? You walk around, yeah, like, you know, the supermarkets now, and there are so many stoner-inspired... Like, foods that we should have all just kept in our own shame holes at home. You know, st stuff that we did late at night, but stuff they shouldn't be able to sell. Like, it should come in, like, dark packaging or something so that kids can't see it. Because this is... Basically saying, yeah, we know you all smoke pot. Here's some shit you'll really enjoy at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I uh, was house-sitting at my brother's place uh, <laughs> last week and he uh, is fairly healthy and he had nothing vaguely resembling like sugar or sweets. The closest I could find is he had these soy snacks, you know, like those oh, yeah. soy snacks, they're like little soy stick things. But he, and he also had some golden syrup like tucked up high on his shelf. Oh, and so yeah. I managed to lay out the soy snacks and put a layer of golden syrup across <laughs> them. It wasn't great, but no, it was no. sweet. And that's, all I, and that's all I needed. Well, it would have been salty and sweet because that's what your soy snack will bring a little salty. So you're balancing it a little bit. Looks it's an adventurous yeah. choice, Charlie. And we love Thank that you've you. taken... We, we love Thank that you. on your journey on this show, you've taken a lot of risks. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're working with limited items out of the mystery box and look Mate, when it when it comes to making desserts i am macgyver like the uh, I, I even with this health kick i've done i still love I, a meal does not feel complete to me unless i finish it off with a little something sweet but i often don't have sweet stuff in the house anymore but i can take a jar of honey some rolled oats some uh, some blueberries and some almonds i'll make myself something sweet may not taste great but by god it will uh, it'll it'll trigger that 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 taste bud that i need to get triggered <laughs> yeah so i reckon you would go for the little bit of packaging off barbecue shapes then this this <laughs> yeah. i feel, i feel like you you could just have a whole bunch of different flavors you like and then just eat really basic food so yes. you just like buy fresh fruit and vegetables and you just add your like eight or 10 or 12 flavors that you have. Flavors, exactly. That's right. That's what right? I am. I'm a flavor <laughs> conservative. <laughs> I don't want all these flavors getting married. Flavors are between <laughs> traditional flavor and old school flavor. I don't want all these new age flavors getting together. I'm not for flavor equality, Will. I'm a traditionalist when it comes to flavours. I mean, you're for it, but can't they just have a different name for it? That's all you ask. <laughs> Some of my best friends are complicated flavours. Exactly. I just don't want them on my food. Um, so, uh, we, I, we were going to talk about maybe uh, something that I guess people expect that we are going to talk about. So should we talk about it? Well, it just it hasn't been. I mean, I know you've talked about it, but we haven't officially broken down Batman versus Superman. It's been, you know, a few weeks since I've seen it. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could, you, you probably have greater recall of stuff because you've talked about it so much. But um, it was exactly as bad as the trailers made it look like. That's the one thing I was surprised by was how I, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. The one thing I would say was the first 10 minutes I was into it, I was like, oh, 
okay, cool. Like, this is interesting. This is like a Rashomon-style retelling of Man of Steel, but from Bruce Wayne's point of view, this could be really cool. Like, what a great way to sort of link the two worlds. But then um, it was just... Uh, there was just so much talking, Will. <laughs> there was so much talking that, uh, that, uh, uh, that meant nothing. Like, so many characters had big speeches that went nowhere. And uh, they did an amazing job of making both Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent and their alter egos completely unlikable people. Like, not heroes. You didn't, I didn't want either of them to do well. I wanted them both to lose. It was like watching, you know, um, it was like watching Hawthorne play Collingwood. And right. I, I just, I wanted them to both to lose if that was going to be possible. Right. And, and, and if possible, both teams die on the siren. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, crazy. Okay. So th- the start, I, mm. I just, I, you know, one of those moments where you're just like, okay, this is going to be, okay, I will say in Zack Snyder's defense and in the pe- people who made this movie's defense, as you said, it was as shit as you expected from the trailers. So they didn't mislead us. They gave us fair indication before we walked through there and paid for that movie that it was going to be shit. And I knew it was going to be shit, and it's my own fault. I paid for it fully knowing that it was going to be shit. So I can't complain about something that was shit. I I did this to myself, Charlie. When I walked Mm. in, because it was on, uh, it was my opening night of my show in Melbourne. And so I thought during the day I'll go and see it at like. gold class mm. or whatever right so i can order mm. some food i'll i'll relax you know it'll be a nice way to spend the day but i'm up in the back corner because uh it was full the little cinema was full and so i've just got mm. a sing- single seat next to somebody else right but mostly at those mm. things pe- people are there with friends right so just with a stranger so we get in there and it's um <laughs> it's uh because it's good friday They've given everybody free popcorn and free drinks and also a box box of Maltesers. But the Maltesers are to share between... What? Because everybody else is like a couple or whatever. In a pair, yeah, yeah. Yeah, except like I'm not. It's just me and a stranger and they've given us one box of Maltesers. Right. So this is awkward already. But the stranger mm. isn't there yet. So I'm like, well, the stranger doesn't know that. So we'll keep that a bit of information for later. Ah, so- did you really? <laughs> did you put it, where'd you put, was it a box or a bag? <laughs> it was a bag. No, a box. It was one of those big boxes of Montezas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And did you put it in your pocket? No, here's what I did. I, I, I left it until the last half an hour of the movie. Um, and then she hadn't touched it at that point. And I was like, all right. You know what? I'm just gonna have them. You, but that's two hours must have elapsed before you went yeah. to the Maltesers. Yeah. Wow, that you got great self control. Well, two they hours. Had, they gave us free popcorn, and I ordered a toasted sandwich, and a oh, salad, okay. and a salad. <laughs> oh my God, where were you? That's not at the movies at all. And three beers. <laughs> so. <laughs> I had to do something to take my mind off what was happening. I, I from the the minute it started, I knew it was going to suck. That that uh, firstly, like like you said, like it's so long this movie. So why mm. waste any time recapping uh, how Batman? You know, sorry, like yeah, you know, like the origin story of Batman. We don't need to see yeah. it. Everybody knows it. Mm. And secondly, mm. if you are going to retell it, why are you going to ta- re- like make thomas wayne into this like action hero who lunges at the gun and essentially gets himself and his wife killed killed. and batman sees that and goes oh my god you know what that inspires me to do murder people heaps with guns Mm. because that's Mm. all that's what happens a lot in the in the movie like look that that part of it that part of it batman murdering people i don't mind like if if you're making it a consistent, like if this is a universe we're in where, you know, Batman is a, a murdering vigilante, right. then that, that's okay. But he, but then see it through in terms of like the way he's perceived and, you know, the way other people regard him. He's not a hero. He's like, he's like the Punisher. They sh- if they wanted to do that, make Batman DC's Punisher, then I reckon that's great. But they were still trying to make him this, oh, he's the pride of Gotham and everyone loves him. And, you know, it's like, but he murders people. Like he's murdered like dozens of people, even in this two hour film. And I don't know how he's happy to brand a pedophile to get that guy killed in prison. Like the guy is really, really dark. 
Oh, this is the thing, Charlie. He, he's outsourcing his murders. That's how yeah. busy. That's how busy he is with his own murders that he doesn't have the time to do them all himself. So sometimes he sends his murders offshore to get them mm. done as well. I mean, it's crazy. Now, I, I agree with you. If they wanted to go in that direction of like, you know, but then why is he being so judgy about Superman being a murderer as oh, yeah. well? I and, know, <laughs> and by the way, if you make that case, here's a movie you've just made. Murderer versus murderer. <laughs> like the, the making the, the making of a Batman. The making of a murderer versus murderer. Like essentially this is the movie you presented to us, right? Murderer versus yeah. murderer. And then we watch this movie and spoilers, but the only person in the entire movie who goes on their journey and gets that journey resolved is Lex Luthor, who no one cares about. All right, can you tell me what, what no, was Lex no, Luthor's no, plan? No, I can't. <laughs> no. Like, it's baffling. Like, it doesn't seem to make any sense. And It does not you know, make any sense. We talked um, before the film came out, and I said, oh, look, if they're going to do, like, a Silicon Valley, you know, he's a, he's a titan of industry in Silicon Valley, then that's cool. Like, that makes sense. Uh, a, a modern uh, corporate um, uh, CEO probably would run a, like a Silicon Valley company. But they didn't make him that. Like, Lex <laughs> Luthor was not a genius. He was just a, a guy with uh, obvious mental issues, uh, you know, maybe even borderline, like, uh, schizophrenic or something like that. But it, it was all for nothing. Like, all that kind of... Um, I thought at some point he's going to drop it and we're going to see the real genius, you know, behind Lex Luthor. This is a front. But no, they just, they just kept going with that. And I just sort of felt like... That the actor was given full license, but no parameters. So, it to me it feels like Zack Snyder was like, oh, "I want you to be, you know, like you know some, uh, you know, super genius. His mind moves too fast." But gave him no parameters of where his genius lies, what you know, uh, where he would adjust his behaviour. I mean, why that scene where he in, like they meet at the party, Bruce Wayne and, and, and Clark Kent, and he sort of he seems to know who they both are but by the same token no one knows who Clark Kent is I, I, I don't understand like it, it, so on that point right firstly he, do, he doesn't just know who uh, Batman and Superman are he also knows who uh, the Flash is who Aquaman is who Wonder Woman is and who Cyborg is and not only does he know who they all are he's designed them logos and no, uh, that's put, put together a little highlights uh, teaser reel for each of their individual side projects. Yeah. Can I say that's my favorite part of the film is that the world's greatest detective literally has to email someone and say, who are you? <laughs> because he can't work out. Even though he has the email with all her, all her facts on it, he still has to email her saying, who are you? The world's greatest detective. Are you talking about the same world's greatest detective who uh, wants to kill Superman because he's an alien, who, so he might be a threat to humanity, uh, but uh, also hasn't taken into account that there were other aliens and the one thing that protected us from them was having at least one of those super aliens on our side. <laughs> so at the very minimum, let's just keep him around for a bit to see if there's some other ones coming and maybe he can be handy in that fight. Uh, the world's greatest detective did not realise that in any of the research he'd done unmasking who Superman was and what his like weaknesses were, that uh, their mum shared the same first name. <laughs> Obviously didn't uh, come up at any stage in the world's greatest detective's uh, in intensive research into the topic. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that people have been saying about the film is, oh, well, at least Affleck's Batman was really good. I don't know that it was. I actually, I actually found, I found him kind of hard to watch. I didn't find him, a, 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 well, I think he was just such a douchebag. I don't know if it was the character or the performance, but... I found him completely unlikable um, and just a bit, uh, there was no, there was no, at least with like the Christian Bale and the Michael Keaton Batmans, you got a sense that they had two separate personalities, like two separate personas. But with the Ben Affleck one, there didn't seem to be a separate persona. But also, I just sort of felt like he didn't carry himself with any kind of, apart from this really heavy handed, you know, these dream sequences and you know, this kind of the, 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 the weight of Martha and all that kind of stuff. Who was Bruce Wayne in that film? He just seemed to be this prick, this kind of prick who hated foreigners, hated aliens. 
Well, I, okay. So, firstly, you're absolutely right. It's so weird. If you're going to take that take on him, that he is this sort of like, you know, bat vigilante, and that, you know what, if you've put us in at this point in his life, he is a terrible person. And if you'd explored that a little bit more in an actual meaningful way, that might have been an interesting take on a film. Because mm. he, he is otherwise a billionaire, a member of the 1% billionaire who dresses up like a bat and goes around bashing poor people and branding mm. them and getting them killed in prison. Like, that's a fucked mm. up... And murdering people. And yeah. taking the... Take, uh, it's a vigilante who takes the law and judgment into his own hands and is constant, like, and is a member of the upper class who, like, takes out his violence on... Yeah, the, like, yeah, without any kind of... Yeah, reflections on the socioeconomic impacts and wants to, you know, murder our only hope to defend ourselves against fucking oncoming aliens. This guy, yeah. he's a ter he's a terrible guy. Well, also, you know, the scene where Lex manipulates Superman into fighting Batman. First of all, um, you know, if Superman can work out where Lois Lane is in a split second to rescue her from a falling building, how can he not locate his own mother? to do the same thing. Like, it, it, it seems insane. But also, uh, Superman has been presented with this blackmail deal by Lex Luthor. So all he has to do is fly to Batman, hover about 20 feet above him, and using his super voice say, hey, look, I know you're pissed off at me. Before you go, you got to realize Lex Luthor's kidnapped my mother. He's trying to engineer this. What What is going on? Like, why... <laughs> it, that whole conflict could have been resolved with like in, in less than 15 seconds with a few words. Lex Luthor's behind this. No, Charlie. If he had that sort of time, he could have written that article that he still hasn't done for the Daily Planet. What article? The article. Do you remember that ridiculous no. running joke of like that Clark hadn't filed his article about the local sports team that he was meant to be covering? And they kept like, he came back twice in this thing that Clark. No, no. I don't yeah. remember that joke. Oh, right. Well, it was terrible. But you were like, also, it just showed again, like, because this movie should be called Zack Snyder obviously hates his dad. Now, I don't know anything about <laughs> Zack Snyder, like, because he hates all dads. Because every dad that is represented in any of these movies is a terrible role model and gives terrible yeah, lessons, true. right? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just like, anyway, it's, I mean, it's a horrible mess of a film. There are so many things about it that are... So where do you... Like, do you think now that DC, like, they're wed to, they're, they're too um, far into this franchise now. Like, Zack Snyder has started shooting Justice League. They've announced Ben Affleck is doing a solo Batman film. Wonder Woman's filming is underway. James Wan is going to start Aquaman. But I kind of feel like they just need to stop. Like, they just need to stop and start again. I just think that... You know, the, the, they, they got that big opening weekend and, you know, it'll probably like stumble its way to a, a billion dollars. But I don't think people are going to be fooled a second time. Like, I don't think the, I don't think this Justice League thing is going to work. It dropped uh, between the Friday and the Sunday, it dropped like 53% and then it dropped like 82% to the next weekend. So like, here's the one thing that really ruined this movie was showing it to people. <laughs> <laughs> Like, up until that point, the movie was killing it. Like, it, yeah. had, the, it had the highest pre-sales. Well, here we go. It's currently at $830 million. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sell enough because they couldn't afford for it to not sell enough. And I, I agree with you. I would love if they went, oh, hang on, we've got the wrong strategy. Let's shake this out and have a second think at it before we fuck up everything else after this. And I think that you could do it with like, like do a soft reboot. I think, okay, you've got Affleck. People seem to like him. He's obviously a skillful director. Let's just pause. Wonder Woman, it's underway. That's fine. Patty Jenkins is a good director. I actually have hopes for that. I think it could be a really good film. But the other ones, the Justice League and the other, the Flash and whatever, just pause. Start with Affleck. Let him reboot Batman. We'll just start there. We've got Wonder Woman underway. I don't know what you do about, um, Henry Cavill and, and the Superman. I just think that they have so mishandled that character in that franchise, like somehow made the most idealistic superhero of all time such a ponderous dick. Like there is, it's so hard being Superman. Will, you don't understand. 
I just I just wish I was like everyone else. It was kind of like when that dude left One Direction and Noel Gallagher came out and said, he left One Direction because he wants to be an ordinary 20-year-old. Who the fuck wants to be an ordinary 20-year-old? Who doesn't want to be a millionaire sleeping with supermodels all the time? Stop fucking complaining, Superman. It's in your name. It's good. It's a good thing. Well, I, the problem is he had bad parents because that's all that Zack Snyder knows how to represent on film. Like, he honestly yeah. has terrible parents. They told him not... Like, the whole idea of Superman, and this is the thing that I constantly come back to, is the whole idea of Superman is that he is this super being that could kill us all, like Batman suspects in this thing. But because he was raised by human beings to be more... The reason he's not playing in the NFL is because he was raised by people who told him, you know what, I know it feels good to play football and those sort of things, but you've got to do something that's more special than that. You, you, you're about something more special than that. Whereas in these movies, they're just like, nah, fuck other people. You don't have to yeah. do anything. Fuck them. Yeah, you don't... Yeah, there's that line in the film where she says, you don't owe this world anything. This world that has taken you in and raised you and given you everything that you hold dear. No, you don't owe us anything, but it's not like we haven't given you anything. Like, where are your adopted home, Superman? Well, you know what it is? It's a very republican libertarian view of the world like because it's like you know what well it's it's one of, it's like one of those white people who doesn't believe that racism exists because they had to work hard yeah. for their things they're like you don't owe these guys anything well actually technically you have an advantage because of where you're from on our planet because of the way the sun works like it's just it's unfair it's like you know because he could he could win everything you know, if that char- if you want to do a take on that character, do him raised by terrible parents and see the damage mm. that, you know, that that would have done to him. But that's not an idea that they actually literally explore in those films. And I think the frustrating thing too is that the whole Martha thing, which is just completely ludicrous in the way they it plays out. It's one of the greatest but moments it- ever, though in the history of cinema. That's one of those moments that I will remember forever when you've got to believe this conceit that, you know, Batman versus Superman, that they will fight each other. Now, by the way, the fight, again, I think there was ingredients in this film that could have made a really good film. But when Batman and Superman have a fight, you've got to create a situation not where they're actually going to have a fight, but where Batman wants to hurt Superman, but Superman doesn't want to hurt Batman. Because that's the only realistic fight that you can have. One where Batman's doing his best to try to kill Superman, but Superman knows that he doesn't want to actually kill Batman and then, you know, has to decide about humans in peril and all those sort of things that Superman's all about. Like, it's all kind of there, but it's just, they just don't understand the character. Like, what they were clumsily trying to get across is that Batman, who for so long had seen Superman as just this threat who's not from here, this alien threat, Batman finally realizes in that moment, oh, he's just a guy who has parents just like me. So all they needed to do was for the world's greatest detective to actually determine that Superman is Clark Kent and then find out where Clark Kent's from and then observe him with his mother and the way he protects and feels about his mother. And it's like, oh, well, then you actually have a legitimate reason for a guy changing his mind. But because it's Zack Snyder's universe and everything's going to be pumped up on roids, he tried to have his cake and eat it too, where it's this gigantic kind of battle with then this heartfelt moment. It's like, well, it doesn't kind of work like that because... What you're trying to say is Batman reaches a point of of awareness or reflection that makes him reconsider, you know, his values. But that can't happen in that moment where they're punching each other in the face. Like, it's too much of a fucking gear change. It doesn't work like that. And by the way, anytime you're in a fight uh, with Batman or Superman, just... Did you... What did you say? Uh, Martha? Yeah, Martha. (laughs) Like... I mean, crazy. And but, but, but how I'm, many of those guys? How many of those guys did Batman kill? Is he certain that none of those guys had a mum called Martha? Like, if it comes out later that a couple of those henchmen had, you know, mothers called Martha, does Batman then feel really bad about what he did? I mean, he should feel bad about it, regardless of that. But yes, <laughs> of course. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's such a crazy idea that it is that name, Martha, and he's that neither of them know. I mean, by the way, Batman, not even world's greatest detective because Lex Luthor knew that information. So he is technically world's greatest detective. Batman's maybe, maybe second. 
the thing the thing about Zack Snyder films, which no one argues, is that oh he can shoot like he knows how to frame a shot he knows how to create iconic imagery or whatever but i almost feel that christopher nolan's kind of influence or christopher nolan nolan's shadow over these dc films is actually doing it a disservice because he's trying to marry christopher nolan's sensibilities like christopher nolan has this high concept let's dig deeper let's go for something that's you know beyond just like the comic book with a guy who is primary uh, primary skill set is trend like just creating simple comic book translations and i think that you know because i've heard zach snutter talk about you know oh, in conversations with chris we talk about why i had to kill superman and all this spoilers <laughs> hang on uh mike michael <laughs> can you somehow cut that spoiler and put it before i said it anyway, it doesn't matter forget about it uh, i mean but, but you I, know well here's one of the things though just on that point who cares mm. like this is a movie that is so terrible, it makes you not care that Superman dies at the end. Yeah. Like, I know, that was the thing that I bet you in the writer's room, they were like, oh, we're going to blow people's minds. But then it happens and you're like, but who fucking cares? Because these guys have no relationship. There's no sense of loss for Batman or really Lois Lane because they only sort of just got together at the end of the first film. You haven't invested on building any of these relationships to make any of this matter. Oh, no, 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 no. No, we're, we're, we're meant to enjoy this movie about this vigilante billionaire psychopath who only has empathy with people who share the same first name as his mother. No, no, he's our hero. Is he the hero or the alien who doesn't care about how everyone gets murdered on his watch? Like the alien who hovers when he's saving people. Like that movie at the start of it, if you really, you know, he does a lot of fucking showboating and like walking slowly into trials for a guy who could be spending all that time kind of making up for the millions of people who like died on his watch the first time around. Like if you really wanted to express that that character in that world, you should see him at the start of this thing, basically trying it every moment and Lois saying to him, you're going to kill yourself trying to make up for what happened. You know, like this idea that Superman was trying to do everything for everybody because, you know, of what had happened that time. But, you know, this idea that he just fucked off and brooded for a while, uh, you know, and... Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, anyway, uh, enough with the brooding. I mean, a courtroom explodes... And rather than immediately like scan the area for a culprit or get out there, he stands there and looks at his feet. <laughs> this courthouse burns to the ground. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like even even in this instance, you're still a mopey dick. Do something. You are Superman. I mean, even if he didn't sense it, his normal reaction time, he'd still yeah. be able to pick, like at least undo some of the damage halfway through. Yeah, and he's just put out the fire with your super breath. Right. Save the fire crew some work, you bastard. Stop fucking moping about. Then he just pisses off <laughs> to see his mum. And it's like, are you not going to like look into this thing at all? You're going to like use your x-ray vision to see if maybe there's more bombs laid around the city? No. It's just, yeah. It's so, it's so bizarre. It, <laughs> I think that maybe the next Man of Steel film should just be superman at like a with seeing a life coach someone to like build up his self-esteem or something like that because he, i think that's his problem is he just he just he's got low self-esteem uh i mean it really is just one of those things where they just don't understand superman at all and that's the mm. problem with the film they're obsessed with this idea of this metaphor of him being like an alien you know and people mistrusting him and his superpowers and also they're obsessed with that idea of justifying the decisions they made in the first movie which is why they will continue to make terrible movies trying to justify the mistakes they've already made. But it's, um, yeah. it, it's like, you know, all that stuff about in the first one, how too many people died. There's those three scenes in a row where they point out how nobody's in the area where they're fighting. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, you, this could have been a yeah. good angle, but... You're in a hiding to nothing because you are constantly trying to erase the mistakes of the past. I mean, I think that like moving moving forward the only way to kind of address all this is to like soft soft reboot it i think like almost ignore the events i mean i i don't know are they is is um jesse eisenberg coming back is that the idea will he be coming back in the justice league film because that was just a, a terrible terrible choice and i mean i don't 
necessarily blame him because I think he was given direction or, or license to go in that area, but it's just such an ineffective villain. Like they, they didn't actually have um, uh, an antagonist in the entire film. They kind of, it was sort of Batman was kind of an antagonist, but Batman was also the protagonist and the antagonist because Superman was such a wet character. And then they sort of had Lex Luthor as an antagonist, but he doesn't really do anything. His plan has no direct impact on those characters until the final act. And then they bring out a CGI monster as an antagonist who's there for approximately like two seconds and disappears. Like it's just such a spaghetti junction, man. It's just loose ends everywhere and, and just a mess. I mean, I guess maybe Lex concentrated too much on the logos for the other superheroes he'd spotted and maybe not enough time <laughs> putting together a coherent plan. Like, I mean, he's going to be busy, right? Like, you can't, yeah, do, right. You can't do everything. He, he doesn't no. have an... Well, he, he, and you know what? When he does have a really effective person he can trust on staff, he blows them up in a pointless thing. So, I mean, it must be hard for him to, like, balance his calendar when his most trusted associate is is willing to kill for no reason. Yeah, so what do they do, though? I mean, what do they Warner Brothers do? They're they're pot committed, right? They have to see this through. But is there anyone who's going to say, you know what? Um, I mean, I guess they can just point to the box office and say, look, it made money. But is anyone going to have the balls to say, look, people genuinely hate this film. It's 28% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. Do you think anyone will have the guts to come in and say, we actually really need to rethink this strategy? We can't just keep following this plan of attack? Uh, I mean, they should. There's a lot of money on the line. Yeah, but I mean, like like you said, soft reboot. You could see them sort of, they should pause on whatever they can pause on and see if they can... Because the thing that they've made the mistake with is they've start, tried to start so big. You know, that's that's the problem. You know, whereas Marvel kind of introduced it all and then you you, know, you combine it all together and then you spin it off again. They just... Mm. And, you know, the great thing about those first few Marvel films was they scratched around for styles a bit. You know, they all had their own individual styles coming into, yeah. you know, when they became that Marvel thing. And you just don't get what what's the Wonder Woman style. What's the Superman yeah. style? What's the, you know... And the other thing that Marvel do is that when they introduce like they have a cameo from another character or whatever they actually maximize that moment it's like oh cool like you know here's captain america popping up an iron man or whatever and they really whereas in this film via email watching an mpeg on an email you see like these three heroes that people have been dying to see on the big screen that's the way you're going to introduce them the most boring underwhelming (laughs) introduction and was it just me or so Aquaman, like we're watching a submersible, like, you know, yeah. a drone going up to her thing. Yeah. Did it kind of look like a white trash guy in a trailer, like, you know, waving a baseball bat at a camera or something? My favorite. He's the king of Atlantis, the king of the ocean. He looked yeah. like some trailer park dude, you know, throwing a, throwing a crowbar at the, the camera crew from Cops. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, he's an Aquaman part-time and uh, part-time he does one of those... Uh, shows where they go around and price antiques. <laughs> so <laughs> he's a porn, porn, porn shop guy. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, you know, boats <laughs> that have sunk and stuff like that. So he goes around to ship. So it's, that's how, that's how they're going to reboot it. It's, it's going to be like kind of Aquaman, you know, uh, king of the ocean or whatever, part time and part time just this prawn. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Prawn Stars. Yeah, you can see Lex Luthor bringing him a bit of kryptonite, and he's like, well, you know. This looks like it's centuries old from the uh, Alpha Centauri galaxy. Uh, I think you'll get a good thousand dollars for that. Right, that could be a little no, but that could be a little that could be a little business. That could be a little interesting angle on that. But instead, we've got this hillbilly guy holding his breath, holding it's, his uh, breath. He was holding his breath, Charlie. What? He's, what he's do you mean? Li- in that little bit of footage. What? His cheeks were puffed out. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, Aquaman holding his, hold his breath. breath. <laughs> Well, maybe that, maybe that will be the plot twist. That's how you do your soft, you do your soft reboot. You actually say, oh, no, 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 those files that Batman found, that's not the Justice League. That's actually a hillbilly whose trailer fell into a lake. Right. We were trying to rescue him, but we couldn't because he threw a trident at us. We don't know where he got the trident from, but no, no, no. It's definitely not Aquaman. Definitely not Aquaman. David- and the Flash, 
The Flash looks like a hobo. The Flash has got like long dark hair, a ponytail, and a bit. Isn't he meant to be like a forensic scientist or something? Uh, by day, uh, people think of him as an ordinary forensic scientist. Yes. But in that clip in Batman vs. Superman, he looks like some scruffy, unwashed teenager with like a little goatee beard and a long black ponytail. Like, uh, is, he not ba- is he not Barry Allen? Uh, mate, I don't know who he was, but I know that he revealed something that Batman didn't understand in what was either a dream or a revelation or a something. I don't know. You couldn't quite tell. About half of the film, you couldn't quite tell. Is this in this film? Am I dreaming? Is Batman dreaming? Is Superman? Is everyone dreaming? Yeah. Are yeah. you are you acknowledging the fact that we're mostly asleep at this point? Yeah, I mean, I do love in a post-apocalyptic world, um, you know, where parademons are flying about and uh, alien spacecraft. Batman still is concerned with hiding his identity. <laughs> like, I mean, you. You've ditched the rest of the costume. Why hang on to the mask? Or just find a more practical mask to wear, something that's sort of a bit more airy and lightweight, because surely that rubber cowl has got to get sticky in the desert. I mean, the pimples, like even at his age, (laughs) like, you know, the sticky skin you're going to have. I mean, people are going to start to notice that when you're trying to be Bruce Wayne, because you're going to have this like Batman line of pimples around your eyes. And people are like, hang on, do you reckon... See up that yeah, Bruce's skin. You know he's got those oily patches. I reckon he might be Batman. <laughs> I think what the what's going to happen is because I think the next slated one is Suicide Squad. Yeah. So depending on how Suicide Suicide Squad goes and the tone of Suicide Squad, I think that will influence where DC go from here because it's so ponderous, Batman versus Superman. Like it's so slow and it's so heavy and there's no fun. There's no humor at all. Like even the Christopher Nolan Batman films that everyone remembers as being really heavy and serious had moments of humor. Like, you know, Alfred was essentially like comic relief a lot of the time. But these whereas, whereas, like... whereas Alfred in this movie was a guy that Batman lived with who hated Batman. Yeah, I know. Like a bitchy, bitchy Alfred. A bitchy drunk who was in charge of repairing heavy machinery. Essentially, because that, that's what Alfred has always been to me, a drunk mechanic. Don't you think? When you think of Alfred, I always think of yeah. a really drunk mechanic. Yeah. And he kind of also, um, he was also stirring up shit between Batman and Superman as well. Maybe he was on Lex Luthor's payroll. Because there's, there's that whole bit where it's like, you just want to put the suit on because there's this god on the scene now and you feel like, you know, that you're, you've been supplanted. He's calling you a poofta, mate. Did you know that? Uh, Superman called you a poofta. I heard it. <laughs> Oh, you reckon he's telling he's... all the blokes that you're a poof, mate. Yeah, he told them getting... you're, a po- you're a poof. He calls he's you get... bat poof. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's so pissed off. Because where does he live now, Alfred? Because Wayne oh, Manor, yeah, like Wayne Manor's overgrown, right? Like you know, because that's yeah. that whole scene where you're like, you know, Wayne Manor's overgrown and the grass has grown really long, and uh, Bruce Wayne is living in a completely glass house by a lake. Because a guy yeah. who because a guy who values his privacy, he's yeah. where, he's where he wants to live in a totally yeah. glass house. That's why I, yeah. that's why Alfred hates him because he's had to clean that fucking glass every day. Like the amount of mosquitoes that are flying into that, and and yeah. he doesn't have, and he doesn't have curtains because there's that scene where he wakes up in the middle of the day in his fucking glass yeah. house. Like Batman isn't like sleeping in a place that is fucking glass after he comes home from fighting crime and he goes, I'll just go to bed in my glass house tonight. No fucking way. Yeah. Bats in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. <laughs> I mean, I talked about that for a long time and gave you time to come up with a good one of those. And you did. I'm sorry. That, and you let me down. That's the best I could do. I think maybe you should have just, there should have been a scene where you just had Alfred, like when they actually are fighting on the rooftop, just have Alfred on the side, like just clapping, going, fight, 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 fight. Yeah. I mean, I'd be into that if, it, like, it, it turned out there was actually a villain in the movie whose plot made sense. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's weird. Because that, that script apparently was, like, punched up by Chris Terrio, who's, uh, you know, he won an Oscar for writing Argo. Apparently, Ben Affleck brought him on to punch the script up. So, God knows what that script was like before he got his hands on it but also then you give it to a director who doesn't understand the characters so yeah i kind of feel like you know everyone well obviously like there's imagery taken from the dark knight but it feels like he read the dark knight but he only read 
you know, that one part where Batman fought Superman and didn't read any of the rest of the book or the or the psychology of why, you know, Batman is drawn back into becoming Batman again. It's um yeah, I don't know if he I think he I think he he think he I think he thinks he likes Batman, but he doesn't <laughs> actually understand who the character is. Yeah. Like one day at a party it's gonna be a really awkward thing where someone goes like explains who Batman is to him and he's like Oh, oh that's Batman? Oh, oh yeah. I, I am so sorry. I've been thinking of a totally Oh, you know what? That does explain a lot of the hate mail I've been getting. Now that well, you've explained I, I, that. I did this see, see this one interview with him where um, you know, he was saying when he first realized that you could make a Batman versus Superman film that would work was that he was sketching on his pad and he realized that the bat symbol fitted in perfectly with the Superman S shield. <laughs> and I remember thinking, that's the moment that you thought this film could work because the two logos intersect. That's not a good basis for a film. And not even a bit in the film that's memorable. No. So well, good. No, it, was, it was good at Comic-Con in 2012 when they flashed up the two logos together. Maybe that's what he was thinking. I mean, going with my theory of the only thing that has spoiled this movie for people is seeing it. So I just recommend to people, don't see it. Just imagine it. Imagine a movie. Mm. Here's, a, here's, a movie yeah. you can, here's a movie you can basically imagine. Um, Superman had come to Earth and he had a fight with another alien and a bunch of people got killed in the, in the, you know, in, while that happened. And Collateral so since, damage. So since then, people have had a complicated relationship with Superman. That's okay. That's a yeah. pretty good story. Uh, at this point, I would then have Superman trying to repair that complicated relationship as much as he could. And like he would be wearing himself out and that would be like, you know, where it was at with him and Lois and like the world would be debating whether Superman was great or not great. You could have that thing of people going, well, why didn't he get to us? You know, why did he protect these people? That Yeah, because there'd be days where he couldn't do everything. So he'd still, you could move the story on in a real way, you know, which mm. was, you know, he's never going to be able to save everybody. You know, and you could actually have him tormented by that idea of like, you know, having to balance a day job and, uh, you know, being a hero full time and what his responsibility was. And, you know, he could be genuinely tormented by the events that happened on that day. That's okay. That all works as a movie. And then you have Batman, who's a bit sus on him, you know, and, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it doesn't have to be because it doesn't have to be because apparently Metropolis and Gotham. Are next to each other. Next to each other, like separated by a bay. I mean, is there any city in the a country in the world where two major cities are, are separated by like that or that close, like by a body of water? I mean, also, what the fuck happened? Like, if it's that close, why didn't Batman get involved in like what happened? Like, why is Bruce Wayne just staring? at the buildings and running around being Bruce Wayne when he could have just like got straight back to Gotham, got his fucking bat suit and come back and yeah. done some Batmaning. You yeah. know what? Don't blame Superman. You're fucking Batman and you're already there. You didn't bring a fucking spare bat suit to you when you popped over to the fucking Metropolis for the day. But is like what I couldn't work out from the film was was Batman retired and then brought back into action or was he just Batmaning part-time? Like he was, it didn't feel like he was full Batman mode, but he didn't come out of retirement. It wasn't like Dark Knight Rises where he had time off and came out of it. It sort no. of felt like he was Batmaning. Is that yeah. right? I couldn't get a, I couldn't get a grasp on what his career status was. No, yeah, I got the impression he'd been Batmaning too long. That's why he was, you know, yeah, killing Getting people cruel. and all doing all those sort of things because he just got frustrated, you know. But. Mm. Yeah, so he was like an older, you know, frustrated Batman who, like, you know, Batman, Bat, Batmaning wasn't about what it was, you know, because I mean, where's the Joker? Where's the people who really, you know, in, mm. you know, inspired him? Nobody's, nobody's got him hard for a while, you know. That's why he's obsessed with Superman because yeah. he's be he's beating up all these petty criminals and pedophiles and stuff, and he's like, he's got bored with that. He owned this, yeah. the only stuff that really gets him going these days is like taking down one of the big guns and he's on this misguided thing against Superman. I mean, the, the, I'm not the first one to point this out, but the, the corner that Warner Brothers have painted themselves into now is, so Batman will kill a low-level criminal without even thinking. So what's to stop him breaking the Joker's neck as soon as he enters the Suicide Squad movie? Like, 
this is the joker, you know, this is the guy who deserves to die. If Batman doesn't break his neck, then it doesn't make sense that he would kill all these low-level henchmen. Absolutely. I mean, it's crazy. And it's, and it's one of those things where also Batman's old and like, you know, grumpy and a killer so when you're going to make these justice league movies with all these like sexy young Kids. new superheroes yeah. you're just gonna have this yeah. old fucking this old fucking murderer this grumpy hey, old mate. murderer in the corner like who brought this guy this guy's fucked i know exactly where he's coming from i'm on home and away i'm right. the old grumpy guy with all the <laughs> sexy young kids running around i just don't murder anyone right yet <laughs> Hey, um, uh, let's uh, wrap it up because uh, uh, the, the footy's about to start and uh, okay. my beloved Saints are about to take on GWS. Um, have you got your uh, AFL streaming service going in the States? Can't, can't watch it over here. Yes, you can. There's, uh, you can buy like, a, like an international pass to watch games. On the AFL? Uh, ask Mike, on the AFL ask, side? Yeah. Ask, ask right? Mike Hall about it. Yeah, he's bought one. Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Don't, don't say what All he right. said. Don't, don't say what he said. <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, I can know. I can find that myself, but I, I didn't know that you could do that. But then, yeah, of course, yeah, I knew that... I, you know what the thing about Mike Hell is? That I just assumed that he knew a way to do it that yeah, I wouldn't be able to be able to do. Because, you know, <laughs> that's, that was basically yeah. what I assumed. So Yeah, he just patched, patched himself into the mainframe. Okay, all right. Um, uh, well, I mentioned, I mentioned the football because we have another podcast that uh, if you like football... You might be interested in listening to it. It's called Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. It's a, it's a weekly podcast in which we wrap up uh, the week's events and, and preview the upcoming games. Uh, people seem to like it. I don't know if you have to be a football fan to enjoy it, but it probably helps. Yeah, or if you would like to be a football fan, it might be a way for you to, you know, if you would like to be a casual football fan. Like, I often think that football is like a soap opera and it helps if you know a few of the characters. Because then even if you don't understand the whole story, it can kind of interest you a little bit. I always think that Amy has gateway characters. You know, there's always people... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's always like a footballer or, or like a cricketer or whatever that's slightly taken her attention. And you're like, oh, yeah. if I can just hook her in with a... You know. Yeah. Yeah, like, the, like, the one it's, it's, it's Lockie Weller, right? Right, yeah. He's in the, the AFL, one? the hot yeah, yeah. guy, Lockie Weller. And in cricket, it yeah. was... Um, uh, Ricky Ponting because they had a conversation on a plane once. Ah. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, yes, we do have that other podcast. So check that out. That'd be cool. Oh, and if you're in Perth, I will be in Perth um, for the uh, Perth Comedy Festival first week of May. I am doing three shows of Free Will there and that's the end of my Free Will tour. And uh, we can confirm, I believe, they've asked us and we've said yes, that... Uh, we will be part of the LA Podcast Festival, so absolutely, um, we'll give you more details about that when we know those details. Is that be our third year that TOEFOP? So you did FOFOP in the first year, and then it's uh, this will be our third one, right? Yeah, that's right. Look at us, mate! Bloody veterans, mate! <laughs> yeah, and it'll fucking be headline, headliners. It'll, it'll be quality material like that. No, we'll do another version of How Well Do You Know Charlie. It'll be a really fun day. We'll get heaps of guests in. It's going to be really cool. Um, it's very. Are we? Nice are, we are we going to do that? Yeah, we I did, we, did, we didn't. Ex we, we didn't flog that horse. That dead horse. No nah, man. I reckon that's a good standard game for us to play at live shows because then we can okay. just do whatever we want around it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's let's right. be let's be honest. You know, uh, if you haven't heard the live one, they can still buy it, right? Is that how it works? Yeah. If you go to tofop.com forward slash live and pay $5, I think for another two weeks, you can watch, there's streaming, well, there was streaming video, so you can watch video and audio and then we'll be um, uploading the, 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 the audio later on as per usual in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. And that was a brilliant night. So uh, there was plenty of things that if there is video of it, I would recommend to people watch the video. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's five bucks is a good way to support the podcast. And I guess if we get enough people to support it, um, they might let us do it again another time. And so, Actually, Mike Hal, I just want to check with you now. Is there video? <laughs> I just said that, uh, but then I realized <laughs> I haven't actually checked it out myself. I know you have. Yes, there uh, is. Okay, uh, yes. great. Okay, cool. Uh, uh, I don't, uh, again, Tofop, don't want to over-deliver. Uh, over-promise, under-deliver. <laughs> Does the uh, video show me stacking it at the end and falling over? That's the question 
that I want to know. Mike Hale? Oh, oh yeah. yes. Okay. Well, so it's worth it for that alone. At some stage, I will rewatch that because I have limited memory of that happening. But I know the next day I felt pretty terrible. So uh, at some stage. I thought you I, were dead. I, I actually mean, thought you had died on stage. I mean, what a way to go, though, right? On a huge gasp from the audience. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. No, people were concerned. <laughs> like, people were yeah. contacting me the next day and stuff and being like, are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, I did fall over like, really badly. So what I would say is, come on, guys. I fell over really badly. Um, that's worth five bucks. Watch that. That'll be fun. So, um, yeah, it was a great night. And all the people who were, you know, part of it, I, like I, I want to thank very much because it's amazing that we can, for this little ridiculous thing, call on all those people to be so hilarious and, and to have John Deeks. I mean, if you haven't heard it, if you haven't seen it, it's worth it for Deeksy alone. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. A really, it was a really great show. Yeah, they're our very own Justice League brought to you via email. But the thing is, Charlie, we didn't introduce them all at the one podcast. That would be like us doing one of those things and having all first-time guests on and expecting everybody just to love them because we've given them a logo. No, you introduce the people gradually into the universe so people already love them and then you combine them together and it becomes something great. If, if we can work it out on fucking TOEFOB, why can't they work it out in the DC universe? That's all I'm saying. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Uh-huh.